The Honourable Gentleman, that the, there already has been a Barnet consequential around HS2 spending. And the next round, in the spending round, we will see what money is allocated to the Department for Transport, and that money will have an, a Barnet consequential. Wendy Chamberlain. Thank you, Mr Speaker. Over the weekend, Kings Barnes Distillery in my constituency won the best Lowland Scotch 12 years and under at the World Whisky Awards. However, the impact of US tariffs continues to impede growth of the Scotch whisky industry in my constituency and across Scotland. Will the forthcoming budget include provisions to help our distilleries compete internationally despite these stifling tariffs? Well, I know the Honourable Lady has a lot of experience in this, having formerly worked for Diageo, and I would say to her that these tariffs, these, these ta- 25% tariffs on malt whisky, are a consequence of the Boeing Airbus dispute between the EU and the USA. And in the next carousel, we hope to get, by having useful negotiations on US and a US trade deal, we want to get those tariffs removed. We now come to Prime Minister's questions. Dr. Julian Lewis. Will my right honourable friend kindly list his engagements for today? Mr Speaker, the whole House will want to join me in sending our deepest sympathies to all those affected by the weekend's flooding. My right honourable friend, the Local Government Secretary, has announced the activation of the Government's emergency bellwind scheme to provide financial support for qualifying affected areas in the north of England, and we continue to work closely with our partners to help those affected and, above all, to keep people safe. Mr Speaker, this morning I had meetings with ministerial colleagues and others. In addition to my duties in this House, I shall further such meetings later today. Did you live this? Close question one, Mr Speaker, on the Defence and Security Review. Prime Minister. Mr Speaker, we will continue to transform the UK economy through the budget in March and the comprehensive spending review later this year. The timing of that integrated review will be announced shortly. To Julian Lewis. I'm grateful for that reply, Mr Speaker. May I (coughs) urge the Prime Minister to recall what happened to the last combined security and defence review, which was done within a straitjacket of fiscal neutrality? It meant that every extra pound spent on cyber or security was a pound to be cut from the conventional armed forces. Therefore, will he try to ensure that the next attempt at a combined security and defence review will not face such a straitjacket and will be concluded before rather than after the comprehensive spending review? Uh, Mr Speaker, I understand very well the point my right honourable friend makes, and I can uh, assure him that the integrated review will be the deepest review of Britain's security, defence and foreign policy since the Cold War. And I can also assure him that by uh, transforming this country's economy and by raising productivity, we will ensure that both defence and security are amply provided for. Leader of the Opposition, Jeremy Corbyn. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. <coughs> Thank you, Mr. Speaker. I join with the Prime Minister in uh, expressing sympathy and support to those that are victims of flooding and thank you to the Environment Agency and all the emergency services that are doing their best to help people. Mr Speaker, our thoughts are also with those who suffer from the coronavirus and also with the Chinese community in this country who are, I'm sorry to say, facing increasingly alarming levels of racism within our country. And as this virus spreads, I also want to thank public health workers who are helping those affected and raising awareness about the danger of this virus. 
Mr Speaker, does the Prime Minister think that someone who came to this country at the age of five and was in and was the victim of county lines grooming and compelled to carry drugs, released five years ago and never re-offended, deserves to be deported? Prime Minister. Uh, Mr Speaker, I think the whole country uh, would agree that while I cannot comment on individual cases, it is entirely right that foreign national offenders should be deported from this country in accordance with the law. Jeremy Corbyn. The government has learned absolutely nothing from the Windrush scandal. This cruel and callous government is trying to mislead the British people into thinking it's solely deporting foreign nationals who are guilty of murder, rape and other very serious offences. This is clearly not the case. Take the example of a young black boy who came to the UK aged five and is now being deported after serving time for a drugs offence. If there was a case of a young white boy with blonde hair who later dabbled in Class A drugs and conspired with a friend to beat up a journalist, would he deport that boy? Or is it, or Mr Speaker, is it one rule for young black boys from the Caribbean and another for white boys from the United States? Prime Minister. Uh, Mr Speaker, I think quite frankly that the Right Honourable Gentleman demeans himself and, by the way, besmirches, besmirches the reputation, besmirches the reputation of the Windrush generation who came to this country to work in our public services, to teach our children in this country, to make lives better for the people of this country. He has no right to conflate them with those foreign national offenders that we are deporting today. Jeremy Corbyn. The Windrush generation have been disgracefully treated by a government that deliberately created a hostile environment. And whilst, whilst the government was fighting to deport people who legally came to this country as children, the Foreign Secretary refused to tell the family of Harry Dunn the reason why the US is blocking the extradition of a woman who is alleged to have killed him. I now ask the Prime Minister straight this question. Is Anna Sekoulis being shielded from justice because she's a former CIA officer? Yeah. Mr Speaker, I think the whole House will know that uh, not only the Foreign Secretary but I and at every level of government we have tirelessly sought the extradition of Anne Sekoulis for justice in this country and we will continue to do so. It is widely reported that Anna Sekoulis is in fact a CIA operative. Now we know that the Foreign Secretary misled the Dunn family, who are being denied justice by the US government. Will the Prime Minister commit to his removal from office tomorrow in his reshuffle? Prime Minister. Uh, Mr Speaker, the Right Honourable Gentleman knows very well that the Foreign Office have uh, been told that Anne Sekoulas was notified to the UK Government as a spouse with no official role. And we will continue without fear or favour to seek justice for Harry Dunn and for his family. And we will continue to seek uh, the extradition of Anne Sekoulas from the United States. Yes. Jeremy Corbyn. This morning, 
Charlotte Charles, Harry's mum, said, we thought we'd bridged the gap with the government, but they've not been honest with us. Shame. Mr Speaker, this is only the latest case of our country's one-sided extradition treaty with the USA. This lopsided treaty means the US can request extradition in circumstances that Britain cannot. While the US continues to deny justice to Harry Dunn, will the Prime Minister commit today to seek an equal and balanced extradition relationship with the United States? Yeah. Prime Minister. Mr Speaker, I, I, to be frank, I think the Honourable Gentleman has a point in his uh, characterisation of our extradition arrangements with the United States, and I do think uh, that there, is a, there are elements of that uh, relationship that are unbalanced, and I, cert uh, imbalanced. I certainly think that it is worth looking at, but he, it is totally different uh, from the case of Harry Dunn and Anne Sekoulas, and we continue to seek the extradition of Anne Sekoulas to face justice in this country. Mr Speaker, it's everything to do with the relationship with the USA that Anna Sekoulas has not been extradited back to Britain because the US refuses to do it because of this lopsided treaty. I'm glad the Prime Minister at least acknowledges that. This deep disparity with the US is about to be laid bare when the courts decide whether the WikiLeaks publisher Julian Assange will be extradited to the US on charges of espionage for exposing war crimes the murder of civilians and large-scale corruption. Will the Prime Minister agree with the parliamentary report that's going to the Council of Europe that this extradition should be opposed and the rights of journalists and whistleblowers upheld for the good of all of us? Prime Minister. Mr Speaker, I'm not going to comment on any individual case, but it is obvious that the rights of journalists and whistleblowers should be upheld, and this government will clearly continue to do that. Paul Hole. Thank you, Mr Speaker. My wife is a volunteer with local Samaritans, and my right honourable friend will know what good work they do in helping keep people safe in Sedgefield and the rest of the UK online. Yeah. Would my right honourable friend agree that today's announcement that we are putting Ofcom at the helm of a strong regulatory regime shows we are delivering on our commitment to make the UK the safest place in the world to be online? Well, Mr Speaker, I, I thank uh, my, right, my honourable friend for raising that point, and as we deliver gigabit broadband to every part of this country, uh, including uh, to the people of Sedgefield, uh, Mr Speaker, we will also ensure that the UK is the safest place to be online. In Blackfoot. Thank you, Mr Speaker. In northern Syria, displaced women and their children are literally freezing to death. There are reports of babies dying due to the extreme conditions, and 45,000 people remain stranded with nowhere to go. Mr Speaker, the Syrian war is considered to have caused the biggest wave of displacement since the Second World War. Can the Prime Minister tell the House what responsibility his government has taken for this humanitarian crisis? Uh, well, Mr Speaker, I think that the whole House will know what, what I think I have said several times in this House, that the UK leads the world in supporting uh, the crisis and supporting uh, humanitarian relief efforts in Syria. £3.2 billion this country has committed to that cause. 
Ian Blackford. Mr Speaker, the question was about the children that are literally freezing to death. That wasn't an answer from the Prime Minister. And of course, in 2017, as Foreign Secretary, this Prime Minister enacted a policy of accepting the Syrian dictator Assad's rule over the country. Assad has delivered death and destruction on his people, a man who has gassed his own civilians. The humanitarian situation has reached crisis point, and there are now concerns of all-out war. Is the message the Prime Minister wants to send out from this House today that this UK government is washing its hands of the Syrian people, and that he is content for Assad's regime to continue enacting these atrocities? I really think that the right honourable gentleman needs to consult uh, his memory better because uh, he will find that this country and this government has persistently called uh, for the end of the Assad regime and indeed has, has, led the world, has led the world in denouncing the cruelty of the Assad regime towards, uh, towards his own people. That has been continuously the policy of the British government. Dean Russell. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. Uh, will the Prime Minister um, join me in supporting a new initiative that I'm launching in my constituency of Watford uh, to train mental health first aiders across schools, workplaces, and the community across the whole constituency to tackle loneliness and challenge mental health stigma? And perhaps, if I may, may I ask if he could find time in his diary to join me at the launch? Thank you. Prime Minister. Uh, well, I, I thank my honourable friend for what he's doing to champion mental health services in, 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 in Watford, and we are massively increasing support for good mental health in schools. And if I can, uh, I will do my best uh, to come to the launch of his, of his event. Vicky Foxcroft. Uh, thank you, Mr. Speaker. After three years of extensive evidence gathering and research, on the 26th of March, the Youth Violence Commission will publish its final recommendations. The overwhelming verdict from victims, youth workers, community leaders and other stakeholders is that short-term solutions do not work. Violence reduction units are a welcome first step, but they need long-term funding and leadership from the top. Will the Prime Minister commit to this funding and will he attend our report launch and to hear direct from victims and experts about how we get to grips with this crisis? Yeah. Prime Minister. Uh, Mr Speaker, I, I do think that she's right that you've got to do both and that's why we're also putting £200 million into the Youth Endowment Fund uh, as well as uh, supporting violence reduction units. But we're also, Mr Speaker, putting 20,000 police on the streets of this country and... Giving them the powers which that gentleman opposes to take knives off the streets with stop and search. Uh, thank you, Mr. Speaker. The Prime Minister has made transport connectivity a main priority for this government. Would he agree with me that connecting my constituent Southport with Preston through the Bursco curve link would not only give my constituents greater access to the rail network, but would help us to unleash our economic potential? Yeah. Prime Minister. Well, I look. I, I congratulate my honourable friend on what he's done and. Uh, campaign for the restoration of the Bursco curves, and uh, I, it sounds to me like a great idea. Uh, um, I will make sure, if he, what he needs to do is put forward a, uh, a costed business plan, and I'm sure my right honourable friend, the Transport Secretary, will be looking at it very carefully. Sean Hodgson. Thank you, Mr Speaker. 
Does the Prime Minister agree with me and 10,800 of my constituents who signed petitions that the building of a gasification plant in Washington would be terrible for the people of Sunderland due to the public health concerns, air quality and would indeed be a blot on the landscape of Sunderland? That now was a frequent visitor to Sunderland. I'm sure he shares my concerns on this matter and will he therefore support me and my constituents who oppose the building of this plant? Uh, well, Mr Speaker, I will certainly look into the matter that, uh, that she raises, uh, and we will make sure, of course, that uh, if there is a problem with the gasification plant that, that she described, uh, that Sunderland continues to prosper and uh, to lead the UK economy. Bill Levy. Thank you, Mr Speaker. Clyde has the potential to become one of the most strategically important ports in the UK for the export of renewable technology as well as wind turbines. Will my right honourable friend... Uh, consider visiting Blythe, where I'm sure he'll get a warm northern welcome. Yeah. And see for himself the strength to, of Blythe to become a free port. I think he had the answer ready. I'm sorry, uh, the answer was in the question, Mr. Speaker. And uh, he, he, makes, he makes an excellent point about uh, the potential of Blythe. Though I must, I must uh, re remind him that the allocation of free ports will uh, be decided in an entirely fair and, uh, and transparent way. Storage. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. Every day, an estimated 280 shop workers will be victims of violence at work. At my local co-op, a staff member was hit with a glass bottle. Now, the co-op's a good employer and want that to stop. So they and other local retailers engaged with the government's call for evidence around violence towards shop staff. Seven and a half months later, they are awaiting a response. Prime Minister, will you commit today to publish your response to the call to evidence, and will you meet with me and a group of, of shop workers who have experienced violence at work to hear about what happened to them? I, I certainly will make that undertaking to the honourable gentleman. I'm glad he raised it. Uh, we should not tolerate crimes of violence against shop workers or indeed anybody else. Therefore, I find it paradoxical that the leader of his party uh, is soft on the deportation of serious violent offenders. Thank you, Mr Speaker. This year we mark the 75th anniversaries of VE Day and VJ Day. As we honour those who have served our country, can my right honourable friend outline how his new Office of Veterans Affairs is giving our veterans and, our fa and their families the support they deserve? Uh, I thank my honourable friend, and I can tell him uh, that our new Office of Veterans Affairs is helping veterans to transition to new jobs, uh, to secure a home. A discount rail card will be rolled out by Armistice Day, and veterans will get guaranteed interviews for civil service jobs, so we have more veterans bringing their talents to government. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. His junior Scotland Office Minister told the National Farmers Union last week that substandard food will be allowed into the UK under a US trade deal, but it will have to be labelled as such. Now, the Prime Minister has denied that in the past. So who's telling the truth, and which of them doesn't know what's coming? Prime Minister. Uh, Mr Speaker, I can assure the Honourable Lady that the UK has and will continue to have the highest standards in the world, in the world uh, for our food. Grace Green. Thank you, Mr Speaker. In Greater Manchester, frontline police officers are increasingly having to resort to using a pen and paper because of the failing IOPS computer system. This is putting the police at risk and also undermining their ability to protect residents and vulnerable children. 
Will my right hon. friend, the Prime Minister, intervene to solve this problem? Mm. Prime Minister. Uh, well, Mr Speaker, my hon. Friend is, I am afraid, entirely right. And uh, we know there are concerns about this system. That is why I have asked my our, our right hon. Friend, the Police and Crime Minister, uh, to ask Her Majesty's Chief Inspector of Constabulary for an independent review of the operation of the system, and we will make sure uh, that my hon. Friend is kept informed. Yeah. Thomas. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. Northwick Park Hospital, which serves my constituents, has not met its four-hour A&E target since August 2014. It has been starved of capital investment, is short of ITU beds, and is expected to have close to a £100 million deficit by the end of the financial year, one of the highest in the NHS. When can the Prime Minister expect Northwick Park to receive a little government love and attention? Prime Minister. Mr Speaker, as, he, as uh, the Honourable Gentleman raises an important point, but as you will know, uh, the highest number of people ever attended A&E in this country uh, last month, two million people. The demand is, is exceptional. I pay, tribute, I pay tribute to the work of, of NHS staff, and we are responding in this Government, as he knows, uh, with a record investment in the NHS, £34 billion, and we are recruiting the nurses, 50,000 more of them, that will help to deal with that crisis. In the last week, Storm Kira has wreaked havoc along the whole of West Yorkshire's Calder Valley, affecting the constituencies of members across the House. Would my right honourable friend, the Prime Minister, seek to find time to visit my constituency, where Horbury Bridge, the place at which onward Christian soldiers are spent, has been acutely affected, and see for himself the terrible damage done to people's homes, lives, and businesses? Will he tread where the saints of our communities and emergency services have trod and continue to toil undivided towards recovery? Prime Minister. Yes. Uh, Mr Speaker, I obviously uh, pay tribute to the emergency services for what they are doing in my honourable friend's constituency and indeed in all the flood affected areas. As he knows, we have activated the Bellwind scheme to protect uh, homeowners. We are putting £4 billion into flood defences, and I certainly will do what I can to take up his offer uh, to visit his constituencies and see the scene for myself. Thurston Oswald. Thank you, Mr Speaker. The new daily allowance for the unelected and unaccountable peers being stuffed into the House of Lords by the Prime Minister is set to rise to £323. The monthly allowance for a single person over 25 on universal credit is £317.82. Is that the levelling up the Prime Minister keeps talking about? Prime Minister! Well, actually, I hate agreeing with these people. Actually, I do find I do find that it is it is odd that the House of Lords has chosen to do that, but it is a decision for them. Instrumental in getting the ban on trade in ivory in this country, would he be as equally decisive in getting rid of the? Trophy hunt, trophies coming into this country, imported particularly of endangered animals. Prime Minister. Uh, yes, I thank my honourable friend for what she's doing to campaign against uh, illegal wildlife trading and trophy hunting, and we mean to end uh, the import of trophies uh, hunted uh, elsewhere into this country. Richard Thompson. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. In 2018, uh, Lubov the wife of Vladimir Putin's uh, former Deputy Finance Minister paid £20,000 
for lunch with the then Scottish Conservative leader Ruth Davidson, who we believe is soon to be ennobled. Could the Prime Minister remind the House once more why his government is yet to publish the Intelligence and Security Committee's report into alleged Russian interference in UK politics? Well, as I think he knows very well, the report will be published as soon as the Intelligence and Security Committee is reconvened. Uh, and I think, as I've told the House several times before, those of a conspiratorial cast of mind will be disappointed by its findings. Mr Speaker, can I commend the Prime Minister for the belief he has in Britain and the massive boost to investment in infrastructure around the country? But with um, the landing visa £25 per passenger at Heathrow Airport, and with a third runway, those fees will rise, Heathrow Airport will become the least competitive airport on the entire planet. So, can I, um, given the delays and the escalating costs, can I ask the Prime Minister, does he agree that it may, it may well be time to review progress and to perhaps deploy those bulldozers elsewhere in the country. Prime Minister. Uh, well, well, Mr Speaker, the House of Commons uh, voted uh, to give an outline planning consent effectively uh, to the third runway. Uh, I know a measure that is supported by uh, people across this chamber, not by me, as it happens. Uh, I, wait, I wait to see the outcome of the various legal processes that are currently underway to see whether the promoters of the third runway can satisfy their legal obligations under air quality and indeed noise pollution. Thank you, Mr Speaker. Since 2015, the number of GPs working in Sunderland has fallen by 16 per cent, much higher than the national average. After almost a decade of Tory control, our GP services are inadequate and getting worse. Who does the Prime Minister hold responsible for that? Prime Minister! We're, of course, responsible and and we take full responsibility, but overall numbers are up of GPs and we are now recruiting six thousand more and we're able to do that because we're running a sound economy and investing investing massively in our NHS across the whole country. Robert Court Thank you Mr Speaker. Uh, as coronavirus hits the headlines every day, would the Prime Minister join me in thanking and paying tribute to the supreme professionalism of those at Public Health England and in my area at RAF Bryce Norton for bringing home people who have been affected? Their work is often unremarked, but is the admiration of all of us. Prime Minister. Um, Mr Speaker, I think my honourable friend puts it absolutely beautifully, and uh, I salute everybody who is involved in uh, bringing home uh, victims and potential victims of coronavirus difficulties and the risks that they face, and indeed our NHS, who I think have so far done an outstanding job in preparing and informing the country. Thanks. Sir Edward Davis. When Kevin Simpson's partner of over 12 years died and his two children lost their mother, the family received no bereavement support payments at all. Because the parents were unmarried, the law denied that support to the two grieving children. Last Friday, the High Court ruled that this breached the children's human rights. So when will the government obey the rule of law and legislate to respond both to that ruling and the similar ruling by the Supreme Court in the McLaughlin case in 2018? Will there be no further delay 
so we can start supporting the thousands of similar children across our country who lose their mother and father every year. Prime Minister. Uh, well, Mr Speaker, the Right Honourable Gentleman has raised this uh, with me uh, before and I have undertaken to meet him on that matter. We will certainly look at the, the case he mentions and, and see what exactly our, our response should be, but he is right to draw attention to this injustice and we will do what we can to remedy it. Jacob Young. On Thursday last week, two people were stabbed in Redcar in broad daylight. Another person was injured in a horrific knife crime on Saturday evening outside a busy nightclub. Figures released by the Ministry of Justice in January show that Cleveland Force area has the highest number of knife and offensive weapon offences per head of population in all of England and Wales. What additional support can my right honourable friend give to Cleveland Police to tackle this problem and when will we start to see more police on the streets of Teesside? Prime Minister. Oh, Mr Speaker, as, as uh, I thank my, my honourable friend for, for raising it, because knife crime is intolerable and its recent rise must be combated. That's why we brought in knife prevention orders, which give the police the powers uh, where they uh, suspect a knife crime is about to be committed to take uh, the interventions that they need. That's why we're putting 20,000 more police on our streets with the encouragement and the political support that they need to carry out stop and search. Oxford-Cambridge so-called expressway was a 20th century road-building solution to a 21st century challenge, and at the election, Labour rightly pledged to scrap it. I wonder if the Prime Minister's caught up with us, and could he announce today whether that has finally been put to rest and scrapped? Prime Minister. Uh, well, Mr Speaker, I must ask the Honourable Gentleman to wait to contain his impatience until uh, the Budget, and he will learn more about the National <laughs> Infrastructure Plan. Martin Vickers. Uh, thank you, Mr Speaker. Uh, I support the uh, Prime Minister's decision yesterday uh, to go ahead with HS2, though I have to tell him that it, there is little enthusiasm among my uh, constituents for it because it does nothing to imp improve connectivity to uh, Cleethorpes. To build up enthusiasm amongst the people of Cleethorpes, could I urge the Prime Minister to instruct LNER to reintroduce the direct train service from Cleethorpes through to King's Cross, to make the Gainsborough Brig to Cleethorpes service, which is at present one day a week, into a seven-day service, to manufacture the rails at Scunthorpe, and of course, and of course to reopen Suggets Lane level crossing. Mr. Speaker, the voice of Cleethorpes has been heard. And we, 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 I, I, he, he's, made a, he's made a vivid and compelling case. Uh, and uh, I, I, as I stood up to answer, the Chancellor whispered in my ear uh, that we would certainly be looking at it in the infrastructure review. Seema Bolhotra. Speaker, the prosperous future of our young people all too often depends on their family well-being and school readiness. That requires investment in early years. Does the Prime Minister regret the Conservative cuts to around 1,000 Sure Start centres, including in my constituency? And will he commit to greater funding and support for early years development, particularly in our most deprived communities? Prime Minister. Well, she raises an important point. That's why we're putting record sums now into early years funding, uh, £14 billion going into education. And uh, it is under this government that you will see the biggest improvements. It's under this government. It's under this government that we have a robust, strong, dynamic economy, the third fastest growing in the G7. And we are able to make those investments in early years precisely because of our sensible management of the economy. Lee Anderson. Thank you, Mr. 
Does the Prime Minister agree with me that the PFI deal signed by the last Labour government to build hospitals like Kings Mill in Ashfield at a cost of £1 million a week is nothing short of a national scandal? And can he please ensure that this never happens again? Prime Minister! Uh, Mr Speaker, it is one of the many scandals of the last uh, Labour government uh, that the PFI deals, from memory, the PFI deals uh, that they did, the PFI deals that they did, saddled the taxpayer with £80 billion worth of debt in exchange for £12 billion worth of hospital assets. That's how Labour run government. That's how Labour run the economy. Let's not let it happen again. Thank you, uh, Mr. Speaker. Will the Prime Minister bring to an end the sickening outrage of a witch hunt against former police officers who served Ulster through the heat of the Troubles and are now going to face the most odious prosecutions for non-criminal misconduct? That wouldn't be tolerated in this part of the United Kingdom. It shouldn't be tolerated in my part of the United Kingdom. Prime Minister. Uh, Mr. Speaker, we will make sure that we give... uh, Encourage support for all those uh, who face unnecessary prosecution, and I'm well aware of the issue that he raises. Point of order, Barbara Keery. Mr. Speaker, today the Equality and Human Rights Commission has started legal action against the Department of Health and Social Care for their failure to move 2,200 autistic people and people with learning disabilities out of inappropriate inpatient units. Separately, we have the Government's response to the Learning Disabilities Mortality Review, a review that has shockingly found that people with learning disabilities are dying on average 25 years earlier than the rest of the population. It seems that improving care for people with learning disabilities and autistic people is not a priority for this Government, as we have had no statement in the House on these important issues from the Government so far. Mr Speaker, have you had an indication that a Minister plans to make a statement on these important issues? Can I thank the Honourable Lady for giving me notice on this important matter, but I would say it is not a point of order for the Chair. It is for Government departments to make statements, and I am sure that people will have listened to what the honourable members have to say, but it is certainly not for me, but for others to come forward with a statement. Right. If not, we now go to business of the day. It's the terrorist offenders restriction of the early release bill, business of the House motion. I should inform the House that I have selected a manuscript amendment to the motion 